0: Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorce mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years' experience in family law. You're listening to The Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. Are you stuck in a deadlock in your divorce with your ex? Do you feel like you can't move on and it's getting nowhere fast? We have three common deadlocks that we will be discussing today and learn today what you can do about it. Welcome, Mum. Hello, Laura. Now, this one sounds like a very interesting one, but it is a, like a very common question we get asked a lot and you get asked a lot, I believe, with our members about these deadlocks where everything's just grinded to a halt. And you want to, if you're being proactive and our, our listeners are very proactive,
1: I think they're learning about this stuff and, and they're following the process, but what do you do when your ex isn't isn't following the process? Some people feel like they're stuck in one stage or another. Of like their property settlement or with children, and so and and I'm afraid the courts don't really anticipate anyone not doing what they're told. They expect
0: Mm -hmm. we all will
1: follow the rule, but some people just don't.
0: So we have done a whole episode on delay tactics in divorce and we look into why your ex might be doing these delays Mm -hmm. uh, and why you might be stuck in a deadlock and it might not be what you think. So definitely go listen to that episode as to the why it might be happening. But in this episode, we're going to talk about what you can do about it, um, regardless of their reason of why they're doing this, dragging their heels and driving you absolutely insane. And first of all, I do want to say to anybody who's listening to this, who is pulling their hair out, going insane, just wants it to be over. Before we get into the deadlocks of valuations, disclosure and stonewalling, mum, what can you say about what can you say to our listeners who are pulling their hair out and just wanting disclosure? They just, want to, they just want it to end. They just want people to move on. What do you say, Mum? Oh, I say I feel for you. I really
1: feel for you. In the current climate, I guess in the court, the court is kind of like a tractor beam pulling the cases through the system and out the other side. So you don't just have you that wants it over. You've got the court who's got the powers and they really want it over. So all you do, I mean, in, in general, if you had the time is dob them into the court. The, do- the court has a, a variety of options for you, but we don't often think to use them. We, we do our one step and then we expect them to do a step back. And when they don't, lawyers sometimes forget. They've got a lot of options as well. So I just want to say to everyone, you're going to get through it and the court is going to help you to get through it. But sometimes we have to help ourselves a little bit with some creative options while we're waiting for that next court date to happen.
0: So let's get into this deadlock. Let's start off with disclosure because it is probably the most common one I've ever heard of. My ex yes. won't give me. We can't start mediation. We don't know what the property pool is. Like they're stuck in this turmoil. What kind of, yeah. what, what, what strategies can you give? what out-of-the-box ideas as well to help people get out of this common deadlock? So you recognise the words
1: there, he won't give me or she won't give me, they won't let me move on, you know, all of that. So you have to turn that around a little bit and say, okay, it's not disclosure, it's discovery. We used to call it discovery. And there are a number of ways you can find out uh, what you need to know without waiting for them to give you a document. So, one of the ways is to issue a subpoena if you're in court. Another way is to send a form to their superannuation people. Sometimes you're a joint holder on the account, so you can look into it even if you never have. There's searches you can do online to see what properties they own. And if all else fails and you can't get all of the information you want, where stuff has gone to, for instance, money has gone, just all you have to do is add up where you saw it leave. You know, if they've been taking out hundreds of dollars in cash every week and you just know they're socking it somewhere, you don't have to show where it went. You only have to show that it was there and then it was gone and it was them. So add those up and say, as far as we're concerned, if you haven't got any other evidence to show us, we are, we can prove you took it. We don't care what you did with it. We can prove you took it and we want to add it added back. So sometimes people hunt down a rabbit hole a bit too far. You only need to show enough for your case. So you've got to keep in mind what you've got to prove. You may never know everything that they're doing. And I think I've told you about those dodgy types who, who've been sending money over to the number one betting shop. Um, and what they had a positive balance in a, in a Solomon Islands banking, uh, betting thing. Mm. Yeah. So, or, and people, positive amounts like put extra money in their credit cards as well
0: so what you're saying is it's it's not about they won't give it to me you can change it into I'm going to go find it and you can do your own disclosure there is an episode we have done called DIY disclosure where mum gives all her amazing tips and tricks on how to get that information yourself definitely check that out it's 40 minutes of gold there's also then you said the next one the next option for that is to just add up all the money that's basically gone missing you can see it in the bank account and then it's gone. Add all that money up and say, what do you say in the letter to an ex? If you're just like, this money keeps disappearing, what do you say in the letter? And of course, the
1: property pool includes $25,000, which you've taken out of the account over the last eight months. Then it doesn't matter what they did with it. They will pretty soon, if he was using it for rent or for food or whatever, if the other person was, they'll pretty quickly then give you the evidence of what they used it for. But uh, if they if they can't prove to the contrary, you've got the best evidence there is and the judge is entitled to rely on that. Let an explanation.
0: And you've also said another third option is if you're in court, you can subpoena or you can do the, yes. the superannuation check. Mum, there was this other one that you've said a few times to people about the magic E when it comes to the <laughs> headlock of disclosure. Can you talk us through the magic E?
1: I've always called it the magic E because as a, a lawyer I'm not, that fond of numbers. (laughs) Um, And the magic E helps you from getting too stressed. E means estimated. And if you put a capital E in front of anything, even though it's a sworn document, it says, look, as far as I know, this is what it is. So you put that magic E in front of what you think they might have in a bank account. And if you can prove that there is such a thing as a bank account, or like I said, you, they've taken the money or you, you've seen one bank statement from a bank and it's never been seen that bank's not in the, in the disclosure, just put an E and put a number. And sometimes I put a really high figure and they will run to prove you wrong. <laughs> so it just kind of evinces a response.
0: Yeah. Okay. So when it comes to this particular deadlock of disclosure, basically yeah. what you're saying is just take it on. Go, okay, you're not going to help yeah. me. Then I'm going to try all these other ways to get to it. What happens if it still doesn't happen? You go to mediation. There's no disclosure. So basically it's a waste. Is there any anybody else who can stop the deadlock? Yeah, the
1: court can stop the deadlock. I wouldn't be going to mediation if you don't have a good idea of what the property pool is. It is just a waste. So you set them, so you set them, write them a letter and say, I'd love to go to mediation and we've got this mediation booked and it's going to cost this much money, but hey, you haven't made disclosure. So instead, I'm going to cancel that mediation, which is a bold step, unless you give me that information by, you know, give a deadline of three or four days, and then I will be telling the court on the next occasion that you didn't make disclosure, and the court will then order them to make disclosure or order third party or a subpoena, issue a subpoena, so you get that information out. Another way of doing it, though, Laura, is to, um, again, just estimate the maximum. And say, these are the numbers I've got for court now. And unless you show to the contrary, this is what we're using.
0: Now, I think it's important mums giving example letters to write, but don't go doing any of that unless you've had individual legal advice. That's true. true. This is a community education, you know, legal education. We're trying to just talk you around some ideas. We're spitballing. We're not telling mums, definitely not telling you what to write in a letter. Definitely go see your own lawyer before you do that. Definitely see a lawyer before you cancel a mediation. And, you Because know, there could be costs, consequences. Yes. So you need to know you're in the right mm. at that stage. And I think that's an important point to mention as well. I think there's a point in your deadlock where you have to decide and always see a lawyer before making this, when are you going to drop the rope? Are you going to keep pulling and pulling and pulling to find the last $200 or are you going to go, you know what, there's only so much energy I want to put into this before I, I have no energy left, and is it really worth it? So, mm. so I think you've got to weigh up that, and, and you have to weigh up whether your future self will kick you
1: mm. <laughs> for doing that, or if your future self can live with that. Because a lot of people just do that. They go, you know what? It's not worth it. I don't. And you need to know too. Sometimes the stuff that they're not disclosing, when you really look at it, it's not necessary for you to know about it in order to make a proposal or have a rough idea. You don't need too much historical stuff. You right. mostly need what the property pool is now.
0: Have you come across anybody who you think, and I hate using this word because it's used too often for, on women in particular, that are just paranoid and you think maybe they just can't let go of the idea that there's no more money and that they, that they think someone's hidden it but there is no hidden money? Do you come across yeah.
1: people like that? Yeah, you do. And 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 it's hard to accept. But so often I say to them, well think about what is your ex-partner's spending habits? What are they like? Are they likely to be saving or do they spend it the minute they get it, you know? Mm. And there are people that there are in most relationships that break down at least one's a spender, one's a saver.
0: Mm. So So the the deadlock could be technically being caused by yourself if your ex actually has just spent it all Mm. on ridiculous things that can't be reclaimed back and you're just like, well, there's got to be more you've got. So make sure you've done some really like intense looking internally at at what your feelings are. Mm. And yeah, maybe your ex is a really sneaky, manipulative person, but they also could be bad with money. And when you go to court, it's the evidence that matters
1: So if you don't have evidence, then you're not going to, the court's not going to magically find that evidence for you. That's why I say if you've got evidence, for instance, like that money being siphoned out of the account or someone who's taken your uh, mortgage offset and just taken it all out, don't spend any time on looking where it went. If They won't show you. The evidence you can show the court is, Here's the account the day before. Here it is after. And the withdrawal was by him. And here, you know,
0: and, and just prove that it went. You don't have to prove where it went. So I think you're that is the answer to the question I was just about to ask mm-hmm. you. We had a lovely person write in recently who they haven't fully like split yet, but they're worried because they've noticed that their partner or their ex about to be is, is buying lots of Apple gift cards, lots and lots <laughs> of them, $800 worth and stuff at a time. So, and, but no groceries, but buying them at Woolworths. Yes, yeah. She's a bit worried, I would say that that's going to be money that just disappears. What do you say to her? It didn't disappear. It's gone into Apple gift
1: cards. And so there you go. You're entitled to assume he hasn't spent it or she hasn't used those cards for anything else and it's up to them to prove they, they did use it for something else. Yep,
0: so get you the know. evidence, have the
1: receipt, yeah. show it. And if they've got it in a bank account somewhere, they can either produce that bank account or be silent. But either way, it's going to get brought back into the pool because Mm. you're the one with the evidence. Mm. Great. I mean, that's a bit creative, isn't it? I hadn't heard of that one before.
0: Yeah, well, that's, that's a new one that I heard. But yeah, lots and lots of Apple gift cards. I guess later on you could go and buy computer stuff i don't know who knows very odd going on so that's disclosure deadlock and deadlock and disclosure you're saying do it yourself add up all the missing money and then say to the other side you prove where it went because otherwise it's going back in the pool use the magic e and just estimate and see if they'll jump to correct you subpoena go to court and then basically make sure you're not the one that's causing the deadlock because you're trying to find something that doesn't exist. Let's go on to the next deadlock that happens okay, all the time, right. Valuations. That's a huge deadlock, the valuations. So let's yeah. think about whether it's the house or whatever. But, you know, uh, everyone has usually has a house. They need to get it valued in their separation. And then just what, what happens in these because, deadlocks? Okay, so... In a perfect world, you would each agree
1: that this house is worth Y amount of money because the house up the road sold and it's very similar and it goes in at that value. It's an agreed value. No valuations are needed. If valuations are needed, it's either they don't have, nobody's got any idea, which is a bit hard to accept, or uh, one of you is wanting it to come in higher or lower or whatever. So if you're the person or if you're needing to get a valuation it's already an indication to me that someone is a little bit unreasonable and here are the things that can happen the person in the house might not let the valuers in they might trash the place not keep it tidy not mow the no. lawn they do yes and that can be an issue some people just don't even accept the valuation proposal you know that you write a letter offering three valuers and and uh, or three real estate agents if you just want an appraisal and they don't say anything. So the ways around this, are, one, if you're looking at getting a valuation and you think the other person has diminished the value of the house, you can ask the valuer to have a look at the house as if, give a value in its current state and give a valuation for if it was cleaned up, you know, lawn mode, house clean, what it would get, that will get you around those issues. If you are trying to get a valuer a decision about a valuer or a real estate agent, then you could give them like three names. That's what you do. I've chosen these three, which one do you want? But the important thing with the person who's delaying and deadlocks, you say these are the three valuers and if you don't get back to me in 14 days, I will choose one and get the valuation rolling. And that way they know it's not going to stop just because they don't answer you. You're going to choose one and they can't complain. They didn't agree, you know, they didn't find one. But then, of course, you get the problem that they might not let the valuers in at all. And that's where sometimes, uh, either a curbside valuation is helpful or, you know, the internet these days, Laura, every property has, that's ever been rented or sold Mm. has pictures on these real estate sites. Some valuers I've seen have been able to just go through those pictures. Ascertain that what the house is like. That'll be really good, actually, if you're if you bought the house a few years ago and your, your ex is letting it run to rack and ruin. Make sure the valuers know about these pictures and what the place did look like before they got into messing around. So mm-hmm. there's lots of things you can do to get a figure. You just want a figure to move on with, and it's better if the valuer is chosen by the two of you and done as a, a single expert witness. So the, that proposal I had where you offer three, and if you don't choose one I will, that kind of makes them a single expert whether they like it or not. What
0: you're saying is, you know, offer them three, try and get that done that way. If they won't let mm. them in, go and do it by the curb. If it's not the house and it's valuation of stuff, what happens yes. if, because cause yes, you can do a curbside valuation of a house because you can't hide a house. What happens if they hide stuff? Say they've yeah. got like a I don't know a vintage Cadillac or I don't yes. know a giant diamond Bulgari wristband yeah. or something. What happens then if the if the value turns up and it's just not even there? Okay, well those
1: those things will have been insured, right? And probably when they were bought, you would have had valuations or something. You'll have a photo of someone swanning around. You. What if it, a Bulgari diamond bracelet I just made that um, up or that fun. Cadillac? <laughs> yeah, um, you may have photos that it did exist. Mm-hmm. And the presumption that you should make and, and assert to the other side is that unless you produce that document, that that car, that bracelet, that insert things here for valuation, I'm going to assume that you've kept it or sold it. And the best evidence before the judge will be these are the insurance papers for these items. Here are photos of these items. Mm-hmm. And if you uh, have been listening to us for long enough, Laura you'll have taken a video of your household wouldn't you as you, leave. you left yeah. yeah
0: if you can if you can do it safely is that the same for artwork is it does mm. artwork get included because i know we've had that question recently yeah yeah there's a company that can value
1: artwork it's amazing i've got a company valuing a plane they can value boats old organs <laughs> so there's a, there's a couple of companies that have a, what they have obviously they don't have an airplane but aviation valuer or a Or a marine valuer on in their permanent staff, but they have they can outsource all of this to get valued. Mm. And you know, it's not just stuff that gets valued; it's superannuation as well. Some superannuations, like the military one, needs to be valued.
0: What about if for our people that are they don't have Bulgari wristlets and they don't have a Cadillac? They've just got like a car and some stuff in the house. Yep, like most of us. Yeah, and evaluation. Is gonna cost what? We usually like two grand, one thousand dollars, and they don't yep. want to do that. And but no. their ex is arguing. Can yep. can? How do you undeadlock that where you can't even afford to pay?
1: Well, like you said before, the first thing to do is look at yourself. Am I being difficult about this thing because it was such a drama in our marriage, and I'm just, I'm just over it, and I'm not going to let him have one more bit of this thing. If it's you. Really do some soul searching and what is it worth to you to, to insist on this item, you know, being valued. Another way of doing it is to, if you, if you know what's in each room, uh, do two lists and say he can have one or she can have one and you can have one. You can do two lists, get the valuers to value it off the list of things, like they can probably give a range or you can look on Facebook Marketplace or you can look on Redbook and see and get some estimates of all of the things. And make them roughly equal, and then get them to the other side to choose one. If you've left a stack of stuff in the house, then again, you can recreate a list for the purposes of it being valued, or you can demand that you be allowed to take more of the stuff. You know, mm. when when the time comes. So yeah, it's it's about attitude adjustment a lot of it.
0: Mm. So so realistically, mum, in in a normal mm. relationship breakup. Uh, with the mediations that you've done and and the clients that you've had, how much of things that aren't house, car, boat, caravan, I don't know, expensive things are actually ever really included in a mediation? Of, like how far down do valuers have to go? Like how, is it down to the toys? Is it down to the, I don't know, the the cutlery or do they not? get involved in you know you could find us on instagram facebook and tiktok we're there waiting for you right now if you want to get more out of the divorce course all you have to do is go to the divorce course podcast at facebook or tiktok or the divorce course on instagram there we share bite-sized pieces of information and bite-sized inspiration and motivation to help you through this difficult time come and join our community and let us know you've joined we'd love to see you there like how far down do valuers have to go? Like how, is it down to the toys? Is it down to the, I don't know, the, the cutlery or do they not get involved in them?
1: Yeah, it's seldom that low down. So, you know, that, but antiques are the worst because everything that's an antique seems to be very special and you can't just go down to the shops and buy another one the same or, or gifts. But no, they don't go down to that um ephemera, that sort of stuff. Okay. And one of the reasons why you can be comfortable with that is that if you've kept the house, then you've probably got the knives and forks and spoons and can openers, etc. Mm. And the person who moved out has replaced the knife, the fork, the spoon and whatever. So that sort of stuff doesn't normally get into the valuations. But it- but it is, like I, I always say I don't do furniture fights. The court will not do furniture fights. Okay. Um, they will attribute a dollar figure to what you've got and a dollar figure to what they've got, and sometimes they make it equal. And if you don't take it when you go, it's going to be very hard to get it. those little things. Mm. Like I'm looking at your lovely terracotta warriors. Your pink <laughs> ones up there. I mean, if you don't grab that in your Barbie book, you yeah, know, if you were leaving, well, you'll probably never see it again. The yeah. hard truth
0: is, if you've got a terrible um, ex, like surely not terrible. everybody's ex is a poo bum, but it's good we're to remember about that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Deadlock. So let, let's get into the the the. I'd say this is probably the biggest deadlock issue of everything because it does encompass pretty much every topic anyway but it's when and and I guess it's a bit of avoidant but it also could be manipulative controlling is they just stonewall you you can't you're stuck in this deadlock because they just won't answer and you're banging your head against a wall and I can see some some people's you know divorces and breakups go for years because the other person's just dragging their feet because they don't care maybe because they're in a better position maybe they're in the house you know and they're living their best life they're like why do I want to settle when I can just keep living this way so mum what do you say about stonewalling what kind of what kind of stonewalling tactics do you see and then let's talk about how to fix it okay
1: so I see it sometimes obviously with getting valuations and so forth uh, sometimes with paying money that they're supposed to pay. Sometimes they don't respond when you write the first letter, um, but they'll say, oh, we've got your letter and we'll let you know in a couple of weeks, and then that drifts on and drifts on. And the person who is being stonewalled is like, well, I can't really do anything because they've said they'll give me these things, but, but, they're not, but they haven't, you know. And so that's that's a way of stonewalling. Another one is just not filing their documents Mm-hmm. Um, of course with disclosure it's that you know just kind of not responding when you put sensible proposals to them like you might write a letter and say look just about our cars there's about the same kilometre each. they're about the same value I reckon let's just say they're even right um and uh, you know here are two red book value I reckon they're right and you write to them and nothing it's just crickets from the other side mm. uh, what you need to do is always have a kind of or else at the end. A bit like raising kids, you know, tidy up your room, you give them a deadline. It's like smart, isn't it? That you've got to have that sustainable, clear goal with a timeline. Um, so every time you send something, even if you think they'll be okay, remember to put a deadline and an or else. So the deadline I'm, I suppose I've moved into how to
0: yes, solve have. it. Yeah. Sorry, can, can I just ask before oh, we move no. in? Can, yeah. can I just ask, do lawyers use the stonewalling tactic? Because I have had people write in saying, my ex's lawyer isn't answering anything. My ex's yeah. lawyer doesn't respond. Or it's, and and is it, do lawyers do it? No, I don't think so. I think you might get a lawyer who's
1: truly, truly busy. And Mm -hmm. they're struggling to get their work out, but usually you've got to remember a lawyer can't act without instructions. So if you write a letter, they pop it off to your ex and say, you know, what are, what are your instructions? And then your ex goes off on holidays or something and doesn't answer. It's not really the lawyer's fault. The lawyer, um, if he doesn't or she doesn't follow their client's instructions promptly, I was just reading a case the other day uh the legal services commissioner after them they they get fined um, it's it's uh, unprofessional uh, or it's even professional misconduct to not follow your your client's instructions so in this day or an age with fast emails and so forth um I would generally think it's your ex who hasn't paid their lawyer or who isn't answering their lawyer um it- and
0: is it ever, though, a tactic? Like is it is it a legal tactic to, because, to, you know, we talk about delay tactics in that mm. other episode, but mm. do lawyers do it for a reason?
1: No? I, no? I hope not. No, I mean I sometimes know. sometimes people will, not lawyers, but the other side might not answer um, because they can wait for their deadline to cross over. You know, if it's going to be coming up to 12 months from divorce mm. and their tactic or their strategy is to not respond, and hope you forget about the deadline or two mm. years separation but okay. it's a dirty tactic and it's it's I wouldn't think a reputable lawyer would do that
0: all right so most of the stonewalling is usually done by your ex or at the direction by your ex or they just don't talk to their lawyer don't give them directions and then they're kind of yeah. stuck
1: so I think even if a client directed you to not answer it wouldn't be professional it wouldn't be professionally correct for you to as a lawyer, to follow those instructions right do you, know, you right. you've got a, you've got an obligation to the court um, and to your client to move the matter through
0: so, okay yeah. all right so you're being stonewalled yep they're not responding so you're talking yep. about the smart method which is specific measurable achievable relevant and time bound yes Yep. So, so how do you write a letter that's using that smart method okay so you the first
1: thing is specific right so you give them, you might give them seven days or 14 days is more often, but you might instead say, if I don't hear from you by 2 p.m. on the, you know, 15th of March, whatever, then I will do this. Mm. Okay. So it's, it's clear there and you'd be surprised how often in my career, um, I've done that. I put a time and say, and our client will then be, you know, instructs us to file immediately. Um, that at 5 to 2 or 5 to 3, whatever your deadline is, suddenly everything starts turning up on your computer because they can't just put it off. So it's very specific.
0: So I'm playing devil's advocate here. Yes. If I got that letter, then I would say, well, who died and made you boss? Oh, would you now? (laughs) Well, well, I'm just friend. playing devil's advocate. So, okay. how, so do, how does that work then if they're like, well, you know, okay. why did your deadline matter? Yeah, yeah. So then
1: your response to that is, well, I'm dobbing. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not the boss but but the, the court is the boss. Okay. And if I tell the judge, you're in big trouble. If I tell mum, you're in trouble.
0: <laughs> so can I ask this question then? Yep so you say if you don't respond by this date this is going to happen or I'm going to do this yes. if you don't choose a valuer I'm going to choose the valuer let's yes. use that example they don't respond you choose the valuer yeah they and don't like the valuation tough luck do you You go to court you say well I said this letter I got the value he, he didn't respond yeah he va- he, I got the value now he's not liking it what yep. would a judge say
1: A judge would say, well, you had the opportunity, sir or madam, to make a choice. You didn't. So what you do in that case is make sure that your letter with that very clear, specific, timely, you know, actionable date on it and action on it, you you attach that to a little affidavit of yours or tender it up however you get it into evidence and their lack of response. You say, I didn't hear anything, so then I've done this and the court would probably applaud you because... They want the matter to move forward. Although I just had a funny
0: image of a judge clapping hands <laughs> <laughs> no judge is going to give you a standing ovation but no. just remember this is just legal education this is a strategy a smart mm-hmm. strategy that you could put in place but always check with the lawyer because it might be not perfect for your situation and then an, and no judge is going to stand up and give you a clap I don't has any judge ever clapped someone no, maybe, sarcastically? no. you no? um so yes so
1: these you said out of the box so I'm giving you my out of the box strategies that I've yep. found have worked uh, yep. It takes a bit of courage to mm. do these things, but the alternative is to stay there every morning checking your email, wondering if you're going to get that email today or what am I going to do next. So in our course we talk about you, you always have, uh, when you send a letter or a request, you have two scenarios in your mind so that you, you either don't get a response in time or you do. And if you don't, then in your mind, you should have your next step planned so that no matter what they do, you're moving along to final settlement. Otherwise, these little tactics, even if each one along the way, each like two or three-week delay, that can add six months to your agony really. Mm. And I use my analogy of reeling in that fish from the surf, you know, and, and the fish fights and it moves left and right, but you keep reeling. Yeah. And, you know, your ex is that fish and you just keep reeling. <laughs> your ex is a fish.
0: Um, <laughs> mum, and there's plenty more fish in the sea too. Um, Ooh, mum, <laughs> so uh, when it comes to giving them a time, yeah. a time, and I know we've talked about this before, but if someone's only listening to this for the first time, yeah. what's a reasonable time for any if or else situation? Yep. Look, I always
1: like to give them 10 days. I used to give 14 um, but I think 10 is reasonable these days and try to make the deadline not kind of like on a Friday afternoon or anything and and reputation matters. If your lawyer has a reputation of following through um, and with their what they say they're going to do, then if someone else gets a letter from your lawyer that says they're going to do that, they go, oh, you better because she really is going to go to court or he really does go to court.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, so
1: um, okay. don't have any... Um, Don't have any empty threats. Mm. Be ready to take that action.
0: And I I know we've talked about deadlocks that have pretty much just all been about property because deadlocks Mm. with children is a whole different kettle of fish. There's the fish word again. Yeah. But are there any strategies for deadlocks when it comes to kitties? and Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's really hard, isn't it? Mm. Um, just look at compromises. Keep the child or the children centre mind, okay, and it, what's going to be less stressful for them and what's going to keep them the safest. And, again, a lot of soul-searching in your own, like, just in case it's you, just in case you've gone through so much that you are, you have a certain sort of way of reacting and, yeah, just just make sure it's not you. If you think it might be you, Wait another day before you send a hard letter
0: mm. yeah and and I think there might be some people out there with manipulative and controlling exes, for example, who do like the deadlock they they're they're adamant, they're not going to do whatever it is they're not going to do and And when it comes to children, sometimes I think you do have to just consider giving in, otherwise it's the kids that suffer, I guess. Yeah. And look, that can suck just going, oh, I have to give in to that ex. But when you look at what, maybe when you're in a deadlock in a parenting situation or in, in, in negotiations or anything, have a look at, okay, well, if I don't do it and this drags on, what will be the outcome for the children? If I do do it, what will be the outcome for the children? And if you have to take it on the chin, then it's better. Um, Just as long as the
1: kids are safe, that's got to be your priority.
0: Yeah. But, you know, I think that people,
1: like a manipulative and controlling person, when when they don't respond, they don't like being told what to do, Mm. uh, but they want to tell you what to do. So their thoughts, I think, are, I think their thoughts, (laughs) their position (laughs) seems to be that you'll get those documents when I say you'll get those documents Mm. and you'll get uh evaluation or a response when I say you can and not a minute before missy and it just if that's how your life has been with that person it's really easy to overreact with children with property go for gold I know you say it's education only but this is you know you need to be able to take control of your case and move it forward and the, I don't think there's sanctions um, if you've done it properly do it with your legal advice but there's nothing wrong with asserting a date
0: and being and proactive and being proactive yeah. and moving it along. If you're the, and so it's the same if you've got an avoidant because an avoidant is going to cause deadlock because they're just not going to do anything. Yeah. You're going to have to be proactive. And it's probably your whole relationship has been you being the proactive one yeah. and solving everything. But in that situation, and it's like the last thing you want to do is be proactive. But if they're not doing their disclosure, go be a detective, go and find yeah. it out yourself and, and, I think when it comes down to it, these deadlocks, I guess also with high conflict, mum, deadlocks can happen because of the he is, isn't, is, isn't. What do you say to people who are going through that high conflict is, isn't situation? Well, quickly, if
1: it's evaluation, get a valuer. Get the red book. Ask them what they say it is because sometimes they won't give you a figure. A a conflict person, you'll put numbers in a letter and they'll go, that's not right. Yeah. (laughs) It's not Tuesday, the sky's yeah. not blue. I don't live at 58 Greensland Street,
0: I live at 59 Greensland Street. That yeah. kind of that. yeah, That's yeah. an imaginary address just in case anyone wants to know. We don't even know event. if that exists. Um, yeah. but, but I guess I, what you've said in the past, Mum, with high conflict, is when you're writing to them, give them, so write what you need to say but then give them the evidence of what you're saying yeah. and that shuts down a deadlock fight. Is that right? Because evidence exactly shuts right. it down.
1: And that's why they might argue about the address or whatever. If you've sent the evidence mm-hmm. and look and in the absence of a response to the contrary, your affidavit will say, I've sent this evidence to my ex-partner and he did not take issue with it. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's the sort of thing you do. But, but remembering court is for people who are in conflict, whether it's high conflict or low conflict, whether both people are conflict driven or whether just one is. I mean, once you get into court, uh, there are mechanisms to deal with that sort of behaviour because the court's been doing this since 1976 and there's nothing your ex can try that hasn't been tried before. The difference in what I'm talking about here is it's sort of clever ways, I guess, or, or good ways of keeping uh, the momentum going in your divorce and not falling sort of into the trap that they're setting for you of just wondering if they're going to answer.
0: Mm. And I guess as well, deadlocks are expensive. So if you have a deadlock over every single issue, the disclosure, the valuations, the, you know, if you deadlock everything, if you've got a lawyer, backwards and forwards letters, it's expensive. And it's not just the dollar cost.
1: It's exhausting mm. to deal with them, um, and this the the mental um, strain of waiting for them to do something keeps you in a heightened state of anxiety. So that's why we say when you send a letter, have some deadline, have a time, and and follow through with that action that you said you would do. Mm.
0: And that so great that, tip, mum, I think for everyone's mental health, because I yeah. know what they do, they send the letter out and they go, what if he doesn't respond? What if she won't do what I've asked? What if she doesn't choose a value? And there are all these what if questions are running mm. out in your head. I did hear a great quote. Uh, it was actually told by my daughter and she okay. said to me, turn your what ifs into so what's. That's what she does. So what? And how do you turn your what if into a so what when it comes to this kind of stuff? And I think it's the thing that you always say, Mum, is before you even send the letter saying choose three valuers and if you don't by this date I will get one, have your second letter ready to go saying you haven't chosen by this date so I'm doing this. So you won't have those what ifs running around in your head. You'll go, if he doesn't choose a valuer, so what? I've got letter number two ready to rock.
1: I love that. Haven't I got clever grandchildren? You do, <laughs> but Laura, that's exactly what you do. And and the common failing I see in younger lawyers sometimes is they don't. The they the deadline comes, the deadline passes, and then their client's ringing up and saying he hasn't answered. Like the client's been watching the clock, and they know what do we do now? And then the lawyer writes them said, "Well, we could do this or we could do that," and you're losing week after week after week. So. What you need to do is what you said. You need to have a clear plan and the reason I always put two o'clock or three o'clock is there's still an hour to file something in the court <laughs> and so I get it done on the day. You know, I have the documents in draft and they're ready to go. Mm. So, yeah, I love that. Turn your what-ifs into so what.
0: And I think, um, um the, val- the valuable point you've made here is if you're self-repping, if you're doing this yourself, um, and you don't have a lawyer, always go and see a lawyer, find out where you stand. But if you're saying do this or by this date I'm going to do this, for goodness sake, do it because oh. I used to be a primary school teacher and if I said to the kids, if you guys don't sit down in the next whatever and uh, this is going to happen and I net, I didn't do that, then the next time I say it, they don't care. So <laughs> you got to show them you mean what you say and you're going to yes. follow through with, with your, you know, Potential options if they choose ba- choose unwisely.
1: Yes, and and you've got to treat it like a business. Uh, it, it's something you've got to get through to the end, and you're the one who who's driving this bus. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. And, and I think
0: that's yeah, I think that's the best thing to remember. You're driving the yeah. bus it doesn't take two to tango like we've done in the how to divorce a statue That's episode right. yeah. you can you can do the whole thing yourself without them even saying boo so yeah. go and listen to that episode i'll put it in the show notes as well mom time's up we've come to the okay. end of this time but i think dead, if you're if you're in a deadlock i hope some of this helps I, I i know that it's just so frustrating and so annoying because you just want to move on with your life um mm-hmm but I got, you know, obviously go see a psychologist, have some chocolate, go for a run, have a cup of tea. <laughs> cup of tea. And, but yeah, we're here for you. Definitely send us some, send us a, a message in in Spotify. If you've been stuck in a deadlock before, we'll put up a poll for that. And mum again, thank you so much for coming along and sharing your knowledge with us. And if anybody's got any what ifs, I want you to go and turn them into so what's. I love it. Okay. Bye, <laughs> Lord. Bye everyone. Good luck. If you found this podcast helpful, we'd love it if you could rate, review and subscribe. By doing so, you are spreading the word to help someone else just like you. Lynn would like to remind you that this podcast is general advice only and you should always get legal advice in relation to your particular situation. And remember that the Australian laws may have changed since recording.